0: Every baby comes into the world looking for someone looking for her, everyone, and it never stops. Like when I die at 83, if I get that far, I am going to be looking for someone looking for me. And when I close my eyes, I'm going to be looking for the king looking for me.
1: Hey, friends. It's Jess Ray. You're listening to the Born Again Podcast. Welcome back. I have thoroughly enjoyed recording every single episode of this podcast so far, but I say this with all seriousness, today's episode is my favorite. It's really been the most meaningful conversation that I've had out of all of them and has had the biggest impact on me personally. Today, I get the absolute privilege of talking to Dr. Kurt Thompson. Kurt is a psychiatrist, so he understands the brain on a very real level, very physical level. He's also a Christian and has a deep relationship with God and he has a deep understanding of the Bible, which you'll hear really clearly in this. So it's really the combo of those two things that make Kurt so special and made this conversation so meaningful for me. Today we talk about anxiety. I open up about my personal journey with it kurt talks about his own and really offers advice and his expertise from having counseled so many people through their own journey in many ways i feel like this conversation kind of opened up a new path for me to find a way out and to become more healed and so my hope would be that it could maybe do that for you as well as always thank you guys for listening here's my conversation with dr kurt thompson Hey everybody, welcome back to the born again podcast today. I've got Dr. Kurt Thompson with me and, uh, he's a, a psychiatrist and an, a Christian author and speaker making him this very interesting combo. Um, I had heard <laughs> your podcast before. Um, but then what really made me a fan of you was being at something called Hope Heals Camp mm-hmm. uh, last mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. And um, we I ended up on the same week as Kurt. And so um, really, it was getting to hear you in person, and both your your um, understanding of h- human life of the brain and how we work on a very like physical level, but then your heart. For God, those two things together, I were in a combo I had just never seen, and it really mm. ministered to me so deeply that week. I had to kind of unpack what was going on in my heart that, that after that week for a long time. And so mm. anyway, thank you, kurt, for for being with me today,
0: man. Jess, first of all, I'm thrilled to be having this conversation with you. It's just a, a sheer sheer delight. and and also, I, I also have the memory of i'm I'm thinking back to Hope Hill's camp and thinking like, Oh, one just got invited to come and to to fill in. Like you know, last week I wasn't doing this. This week I am doing this. Right. And, and here we go. And somehow I'm going to have to come up with a repertoire of work right. that fits <laughs> that that fits the occasion. Yep. Uh, with not a lot of lead time notice. And I just remember being really moved by your work and your music, and so really uh, thrilled to. I think this is the first time we've had a chance to talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it so is it's great to be back. Yeah. In touch.
1: And, and really to give our listeners just a um, just a little uh, explanation on what hope heals camp. That's that's mm-hmm. Catherine and yeah. Jay Wolf, who yeah. run basically a slice of heaven on earth. Uh, that is hope heals camp in the summer. It's a camp for uh, individuals with disabilities and really the, the families, their whole families. Um, and uh, gosh, there's a there's a talent show. That was the second or third night. I don't know. I mean, just tears.
0: Dude, I mean, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's just, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was one of the most special things I've ever been a part of and uh, really was was so neat to connect with Kurt there. And um, so uh, just to give you more, Kurt, just to fill you in, you may know, but... For our listeners and whatever, just to give yeah. to frame up um, our conversation. Um, I put out an album last year called Born Again. Um, mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I didn't really even <laughs> care for that phrase anymore, um, but mm-hmm. it was on my own journey of really. Um, kind of rediscovering uh, that there's something so core to Christian faith that even with all that I've wrestled with over the past few years, I have not been able to turn away from Christ and uh, the way that he's at work really in in the world over a long stretch of time. We're in a tough moment in the American church and stuff but um, really wrestling with all of that and reclaiming wanting to reclaim that word and and really just, uh, stick stick in it in my faith. Um, and so this whole podcast that I've released with the record um, is just conversations um, kind of inspired by the the 10 songs that are on the record. So six have come out or six or seven have come out. And then um, we've got a couple more conversations to have. And so the conversation or the song that um, that this one is paired with is a song called Lilies and Sparrows, which is really... Almost verbatim Matthew six and just the idea of of worry and um, I personally have had uh, just um, I've dealt with a lot of anxiety over the past few years and only in the past year or so been able to acknowledge that or understand okay that's what's happening with you know my heart racing or kind of the way that my body feels a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, just finally being able to even put language around it and and all of that so I know that that's the um experience of a lot of uh listeners um and so so yeah just to give it, my audience is generally followers of my music um who I would say are somewhere in the faith reconstructing space maybe have you know Struggled through the past few Hmm. years, but are really trying to hold on to their faith and their relationship with God, um, even though it's taking some revision maybe over the past few years. Um, And so, yeah, so I really wanted to kind of zoom in on the idea of... um, I really just get your thoughts on like, I think I just feel like I'm so happy that I get the chance to just be like, what the heck is going on? Not that you have all the answers, but mm. what's going, like, mm. are you seeing the same thing where just like, there's this epidemic of anxiety and specifically, maybe it's an older generation thing, but like, what is happening to my generation and mm. and even younger than me? What is going mm-hmm. on? What do, yeah. What do you think is at play there?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Jess, I I think um, uh, you, uh, I I really appreciate your reference to Jesus' words from the gospel, uh, because I think the first thing that we uh, can acknowledge uh, is that we are in good company when it comes to people who are anxious.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, We aren't the first people to be anxious. Um, To be human is to be anxious. Everybody's anxious. I go, no, I'm not an anxious person. Uh, You you simply don't know how you are experiencing it and what you're doing to cope with it. I mean, Jesus was talking to an anxious people. That's why he had to talk about anxiety. Don't be anxious. I mean, he's saying that because people are anxious. Yeah. And we've we've been anxious from the third page of the Bible forward. We're, We're an anxious lot. Um, and so and here's the other thing I would say, uh, and, and this, this is my take on it. I mean, I, I'm not, uh, a sociologist. I'm not, um, I'm not an epidemiologist, um, but, but I will say this. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, the, the work that I do has me, uh, waist deep in anxiety all day, every day. And it's not just mine. Like, and I, and I'm an, like, I'm an anxious dude, right? <laughs> um, we, and we'll, we, we, maybe we'll come back to that in just a moment. But I think here's, here's one thing I would say, just just off the top of my head. I have, I have two, two things that I would, would well, three things that I would say. The first thing is that anxiety fundamentally, for uh, human experience, anxiety is fundamentally and at the end of the day is a function of the degree to which there is any part of me that believes that I am living in isolation.
2: Hmm.
0: That's fundamentally it. It's that simple. And it is that, um, significant in that, uh, what I do in response to my, the parts of me that believe I am alone. And here we are reminded of the second page of the Bible where we hear the f- one of the first primal mandates, in the creation narrative, that it's not good for the man to be alone, like like, this is not a good thing. And you get to the third page of the Bible, and it just becomes the march of greater and greater aloneness from the time that the snake and the woman have the conversation. Just aloneness keeps happening, right, over and over and over again. Uh, and we could, you know, we could talk about that forever and a day. And all that is to s- so That is to say is that we've been at this alone thing for a long time. Mm. But the other thing that we uh, have been doing is that we've been constructing ways to uh, distract ourselves from it and so we find ourselves now at a point where uh and we might say well this this generation gen gen z is whatever the next iteration of the generational measure measurement what, what letter of the alphabet we're going to use <laughs> um uh like is more anxious than it you know and, and i was like not really yeah, it's not that they're more anxious it's just that their anxiety has uh, we we have kind of maximized our coping strategies Wow. And, and, and now the curtain is being pulled back on what has been there all along. Now, there are some things I would say that we do that uh, do not help us. We don't help ourselves. And let me first say that I am not a Luddite. Um, but uh, if I were uh, made emperor of the world, and, and, and my wife, Phyllis, would tell you that it would be a really good idea that that never happened. That would be, oh, a really, would be a really, would be a really, bad idea. She's probably right. <laughs> and, I, and I, and I would agree with her. Uh, but the first thing and, and here, you know, you're, uh, again, I'm going to sound, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound like a, like a whack job, but I'm, I like the first thing that I would do would be that I would uh, rid the planet of all social media. Oh. I might, I might even be tempted to get rid of the internet. Now again, I'm not a luddite, and like and so. So here's something that's important to know: all technology uh, does one thing, and it potentially does a second thing. All technologies. The first thing that it does is that we design technology as a way to make life more convenient for us, easier for us, so that I, as an individual, do not have to work as hard. And there are certain things that we would say we we look around us there are all kinds of ways in which we would say oh this is a good thing right life is more convenient it is easier i like indoor plumbing right totally (laughs) um but the second thing that it can potentially and almost always does is uh, not, not always, but almost always does, is that it potentially uh, makes it possible for us to be further and further apart from one another. Convenience always carries with it the possibility of greater aloneness. Well, wow. That's what the supercomputer that you hold in your hand, called a cell phone, does. It makes life more convenient and it actively separates us while actively enabling it. It helps us practice becoming more easily destructible. Uh, I don't, I, 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 it becomes hard, harder and harder for people to do long tasks over longer periods of time. It's harder to do it because I am actively training my brain to be unable to pay attention to things for long periods of time. I'm yeah. actively, tra- now, And so uh, we would say that uh, one thing that our technology does is that it is adding to our uh, payload of anxiety. Because now I have less and less practice at having a face-to-face conversation with you. Instead, I'll just text. In fact, I will text something to you that is hard for me to say to you face-to-face because I'm too anxious. Yep. But the very fact that I have to text reinforces my anxiety about having a face-to-face conversation with you. It's like what all addictions are like. Mm. So when we say, are we more anxious? I would say we're not necessarily more so, but we are practicing becoming better at it. And technology would be one thing. I say that unapologetically. It's just, it's just a fact. Totally. Um, And we're not ever going back from it. uh, Which means that, You know, it would be really helpful to, you know, pay attention to what Andy Crouch is saying about, like, if this is a device that we're going to, that's going to be in our lives, then we need to be disciplined about how we use the device and so forth and so on. Uh, Here's the other thing that I would say. Um, uh, I I, I was, I I forgot, I I was going to bring it upstairs. Uh, We, we, we get, we received the Washington Post here at our house. And I was going to bring it up and show uh, you the headline today. Now, I don't, the the day that we're recording here, the 13th of April in 2023, the current news du jour that captures the headlines of the Washington Post um, is related to a recent discovery of a significant classified uh, leak about intelligence and military information. And of course, um, the uh, across the entire front page, above the fold of the Washington Post, has uh, something about this story. This uh, is a material production. It is a medium. And the editors are well aware of this, that that, that how this paper is produced will necessarily create anxiety for people. It frightens people. Yep. It is intended to frighten people. Now, if you were to talk, if you were to walk into the editorial office of the Post and you were to say, "Like, is it your hope for people to become more afraid by the end of the day?" Is this? Is this? Like, it's like, Whoa, no. What are you talking about? We're trying to. We want to alert people. Like, and and you say, like, then stop it. Like, I, d- just so you know, like a year from now, like people will maybe remember this story. Nobody will care. Right. But today we are going to frighten people. We are going to make people more anxious. And but but again, this is not new. This, this, this like the the I mean, this isn't new. This this is to, to be human, is totally. to do this. To be human is to do this. And so, you know, one of the things that the pandemic did is, oh, my gosh, we've got the pandemic and people are isolated. like, well, what the pandemic did is like it again, it pulls the curtain back on how isolated we already were. What it did was it robbed us of our typical coping strategies for that we use to sweep our anxiety under the rug. And now here we are. Um, and uh, I, I would say that, you know, uh, there are some things there, there actively there actually are some things that we can do about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, people aren't going to want to do them and not because they're complicated they're not complicated life as we tell people uh, I tell my patients life is ex- it is very simple and it is excruciatingly difficult
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it is not difficult because it's complicated It's difficult because we are afraid and we are ashamed and in order to cope with the fear and the shame we construct, complex lattice works of narratives totally. that help buffer us from our fear and our shame. So I don't have to go into that room in my house. Right. And then I tell the story that, Oh my goodness, well, like, it's just so complicated. All the story layers that I have to work through because it's the story. La- like, no, that's not, that's actually not what's happening. Hmm. Everything you need to know about human beings, you can find out on the first four pages of the Bible. Everything you need to know. Like, nothing's new under the sun after that. It's who we are. And the question of whether or not we are going to choose uh, to uh, receive the wisdom of God or to create our own wisdom is is a choice that I make dozens of times every single day and, uh, it's very simple and very difficult because I don't, I don't want to receive his wisdom. Like I want to do things my way. Yeah. Totally. Okay. I've been yapping for a while here. I'll no.
1: <laughs> It's so good. Okay. It kind of brought up one thing in my, my mind. Okay. I'm going to see if I can, since we're going to early, early Genesis. Okay. This idea that we are subjecting ourselves to more knowledge than we are meant to handle. Like only God can handle all the knowledge of good and evil. And I feel like, you know, even just the past 50 years, what we now have the ability to know has increased. And we're constantly exposing ourselves to more and more tragedy and information. Yes, there's nothing new under the sun. But like, there is something about this window of time, where, because of the internet, a hundred years ago, I could only know, like, you know, my neighbors, my town, maybe some stuff about the news. Maybe I would walk the streets and kind of, I would have that memorized. I would maybe know the weather based on, like, kind of how I learned to look at the sky or what I heard around from people who knew more. Or, mm-hmm. you know, in in our our closeness to, to death, that would have mm-hmm. happened in, in our home more often. Closeness to life coming to be. Like, all of, all, like, what we knew was different than now just this constant false responsibility of just I've exposed myself to what's going on on the other side of the world. And now I feel I mean, it's just and I'm I'm someone who feels very deeply. And I've Mm -hmm. just learned like, I cannot look at certain things at certain points in the day, it will ruin my day because I can't know what's going on in the Middle East right now. Because Mm -hmm. That, you know, like, is mm-hmm. there this this thing at play where we have exposed ourselves to much more information than, and knowledge, and then, yeah, I, I guess I'm getting at, like, the fact that only God is able to handle all that knowledge of good and evil. I don't know.
0: What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, well, I mean, I, you know, uh, let, let me just say, um I uh, have found in the last, within the last m- many months, uh, I've, I've found the work of the guys at the Bible Project, um to be extraordinarily helpful and, uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins, um, I've, for sure. c- I've come to know them and, um, just really appreciate the work that they're doing. So for our listeners, I would say that one resource that I, I cannot speak highly enough about is all the work that they're doing in the Bible project. And, yep. um, I, you know, one, th- one thing that I would say, and, and so, so, so I would say the texts, are important in this regard now when you when we mentioned Genesis and everything that we need to know about humans but what we do first four pages my friend Jeff Dudiac who's a philosopher uh, a professor of philosophy at the King's University in Edmonton on uh, Alberta um, is currently working on a on a book that's going to be coming out in the not-too-distant future but you know Jeff likes to talk about the movement of culture in the last 400 years 500 years it has moved from a culture of wisdom to a culture of knowledge to a culture mm. of in, to a culture of information Wow yep and um, you know one of the things that 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 uh, that that arc that movement from wisdom to knowledge to information is also reflective of it's reflective of what Tim Mackey likes to talk about, as the difference, the, the choice between two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Again, those the, the, that's the choice that I'm making every day, all day, multiple times a day. And the choice, uh, it's not just that I'm choosing two different things, it is the manner of what the choice represents. It's not just what the trees represent, it's how they represent the way I am engaging the trees. One tree, the tree of life is a tree in which I am waiting and receiving.
2: Mm.
0: The other tree I am taking. Totally. I'm taking yeah. on my terms. And here's the thing. Um, you know, I, I, I invite readers to consider that the conversation that the woman and the snake have in the garden is not a neutral conversation. It's not a simple matter of they're exchanging facts and in the privacy of her own mind, she deduces that, oh, the tree of knowledge is good. You know, it's beautiful. It's good for wisdom. It's good for power. It's good for nourishment, all these things. And so I'll take that as if somehow like I've never thought of that before. Right. Right. This is just that we're just we're just laying just the facts, ma'am. We're just we're just looking at the facts. I, I, I think we, we witness that the, the, the conversation itself that the snake has with the woman is a wounding conversation. And by the time she gets around to taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, it is as much a coping strategy for her own distress as it is a simple decision between two trees. And I, I think that when, when we look at, it's interesting enough, right? When, when the, the first wound in the Bible takes place one page earlier, Right. Adam didn't ask for, you know, major surgery, but there you go. Right. He he just like gets, you know, soporific in the afternoon. And next thing you know, he wakes up with a chest wound. I mean, it's, it's like like what 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 the heck? Where did this thing come from? Man, is that sore? And the next thing. Right. But but the thing then that just like, you know, comes into his view is. Poetry and song. Right. Just nothing. But, and so there is a wound that takes place on the second page of the Bible that God inflicts, Mm. but it is the intention of the wound is for the creation of further beauty in the world. One page later, there's a different kind of wound that is taking place. Wow. But its intention is for a wholly different purpose. It is for, it is for disintegration. It is for devouring. And, and so I, 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 think, I, I think this is, this is the, 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 like, every, this is everything, so everything that we're doing. So when people walk into my office, like, mm. it's not just what's wrong with you. The question is always what happened to you? What is the wound?
2: Mm.
0: And what was the intention of the wound? And we all have them. And we live in a culture in which I just have, like, I, I've got all kinds of options for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil at my disposal to pick from to cover my wound so that I don't have to pay attention to my grief. Um, And so my brain and and my grief, like I carry it in isolation. I carry it by myself. And it's not good for the man to be alone. And my brain is saying, hello, hello, keeps knocking on my door. And at some point, like, I don't know why I'm so anxious. And it is my brain. I I tell people, look, when you're anxious, you're like, like, there's going to be something wrong with me. Something's wrong because my my anxiety is a problem. I'm like no, 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 you need to know that when you are anxious, your brain is doing exactly what it probably should be doing in this moment. It's like mm. it, it, it's like the smoke detector in my kitchen when I'm cooking bacon. I do like like look, it's just bacon. There's no fire. like why do I, why the heck do I have to put up with a smoke detector? but it goes off when I'm invariably when I'm cooking bacon, it goes off. There's no fire. I don't like the smoke detector. But the smoke detector is not the problem. It's doing exactly what it should be doing. Yep. Now, I look at it, I think, like, yeah, there's no, I, I, so, I, so I don't like it. I don't like my anxiety. And so I pathologize it. I say, oh, it's, it, I need to get rid of my anxiety. But the smoke detector is not the problem. Uh, the question is what's the wound, what happened to us?
2: Mm.
0: And then what are the, th- and, and so then, uh, you know, if, if, if it were a real fire and all I want to do is to get rid of my smoke detector, then my house burns to the ground. And this is what is happening to us.
2: Mm.
0: Our anxiety is a signal to tell us that, Oh, something's going on. And we'd like to think, well, my problem is my anxiety. Like, no that's not my problem. It might be problematic for me, but it's not my problem. My problem is the wound that leads me to be living in isolation from within myself and disconnected from other people. And, but then I have my supercomputer that I will then just turn to, to distract myself from this. And then my brain will say, okay, I guess we're going to have to double down. And and we're gonna to have to turn the the volume up on the anxiety to get your attention,
2: mm.
0: and that's why like I'm probably not soon gonna be out of a job.
1: <laughs> totally, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, wow. The smoke detector. That's yeah. And how it's we're feeding. It's other other root causes that are yeah.
2: yeah. Oh,
1: but then yeah, it makes sense what you're talking about with the phone thing because it's made. What would have been human interaction? Every opportunity, it's seen as a win to reduce having to go anywhere or do anything down to I can do this by myself uh, from wherever I am. That is right. fascinating. Okay, so like, uh, I mean, you, you've you talked about this in some of your books, like the, what the brain is doing. Mm-hmm. And how, and even the body. I just wanted to talk. I, whatever your thoughts would be on this, <laughs> like, why does it, uh, it? Why does it result in physical such so many physical symptoms? People just, I mean, grown adults, panic attack. You know, fetal position in public, or you know, for me, it's been my heart, just right. racing heart, uh, just tension in our body. Like, what what's happening there? that something that seems emotional is having such an effect on our physical bodies.
0: Well, I mean, I, I would say that even that we ask the question in the way that we do, and, and this is a common question, like how is it that it's like, like, why, I mean, this is a question that is commonly asked of me, like, dude, like yeah. like what's, what's with the amount of panic events? Like I'm just, like I was there sitting at my desk and the next thing you know, like I'm breaking out into a cold sweat and I'm, 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 I'm getting dizzy, Like I don't know where this is coming from. Like, you know, do I have a tumor? Is there so the question is reasonable? It's it's completely reasonable. It makes complete sense, and it is also important to recognize that we ask the question the way that we do because of five hundred years of cultural development that has trained us to believe that the body is a thing
2: that we own and operate, kind of like
0: my car or my cell phone. It is a thing that I own. It is a thing that I have. Uh, Charles Taylor coined this, uh, the the Canadian philosopher coined this phrase, expressive individualism. uh, That has now become, you know, uh, a a phrase that defines our moment. Um, We, so you combine modernity with the enlightenment and our sense that we should be self-determining. And we have now highlighted it, and and we then uh, especially distill that in particular categories, sexuality not the least, in which we understand everything that is of the material universe to be a thing to be used, to be manipulated, as I want to, including my body. And my sense of myself is reduced to or compartmentalized largely in the category of my current felt sense of what I feel and the church has followed suit In the sense that we have now separated spirituality, a thing called spirituality. And we put that in some category that has to do with my inner life or what I think or what I pray or what I feel. And the material world, you know, the more and more that we can describe the material world, you know, on our terms, the less and less space in the material world God occupies. And so everything that is spiritual is kind of pushed to the margin in some abstract category and the material world is there for us to use as Mm. you know as the object of my expressive individualism you see where this goes you combine that with a supercomputer and now i understand that happiness is something that i like i have to decide what that's going to be i have to create it i have to maintain it it is up to me to do this Mm. And if that's not happening for me, then I need, then something in the material world needs to change to meet my terms in order for me to be okay. And this is just the third page of the Bible being replicated in, on, you know, an infinitely large scale.
1: Wow.
0: Right. She's not okay. And she's going to take from the material world and she's going to have the material world do for her. She's going to decide what her destiny is going to be because she's now in isolation, cut off from her husband, cut off from her God, and now she's left to figure this out by herself. So we're just kind of like on a much bigger stage, like replaying Genesis 3 over and over and over again. Totally. And one of the ways that this gets worked out is that I see my body. Like I don't, when I think of myself, I don't think of my body. I think of my body as I think of my, it's like my coffee cup it's not the essence of me, but if we go to the second page of the Bible, what do we see? We see that in the Lord God formed the man from the mud of the earth and he breathed the breath of life into man's being into man's lungs and man became a living being the Ark of the Hebrew Bible in the compendium of the Hebrew Bible, uh, a soul was something that we are not something we have. Things shift a bit in the New Testament letters when Greek, the well, like Greek language and the Greek philosophy is like shaping some of that, in which the soul is something that we then have. But my body, my material, that that's somehow not as important despite what we actually read in the New Testament.
2: Hmm.
0: And so when we say i'm having a panic attack like why is it my body like well because your soul is being affected well wait a minute that's not my that's not my soul it's it's my body no no, no. if you read the second page of the bible you will see that your body is every bit a part of who you are and it is a thing that you have been given you didn't make up your body you didn't like like this this is this and, and of course this is hard for us because it's, it's pretty undeniable that like i come with this package that i come with this body i didn't make this for you have made us not we ourselves and when my uh, you know when i'm tired i'm less patient and you hey. think like well kurt i think you need to pray more like no i need to go to bed you know when my wife is hungry she lies like like kurt i gotta just say two words yellow alert I'm like, okay, like, where is the nearest restaurant? <laughs> where is it? Like, a, right. And, and, and like, but you see what I mean, I, I realize that I'm, totally. I'm, I'm being, I'm being long winded about this, but I mean, but, but again, the point is no, it's awesome. That, that like, we can, we can, we, we imagine like, well, what's wrong with my body? Like, well, wait a minute. Like it, it's because that you even think about your body as a thing that is separate from you, that you're even asking this question in this way. And, and we'll say one more thing. My, my, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you're, you're killing it. Keep going. <laughs> my, and, and, and my sense of this, my sense of the, like, that I am this silo that has to figure these things out. I'm sorry. Like I come by it honestly. I mean, this is the Kool-Aid I'm drinking. Right. Right. I, I don't, I don't come into the world. Like we like to say, right. Every baby comes into the world looking for someone, looking for her, mm. everyone. And it mm. never stops. Like when I die at 83, if I get that far. I am going to be looking for someone looking for me. And when I close my eyes, I'm going to be looking for the king looking for me.
2: But then we are are trained,
0: A, to believe that, like, nobody's looking for you. Mm. This is not done explicitly. Look, evil is the second smartest force on the planet. Far smarter than me. Far smarter than, like... Like, like it's, it's super smart and it's super subtle. Nobody's going to come to me and say, well, I mean, for some of our listeners, people will we'll have come to them and say like, we don't want anything to do with you. You're unwantable. We will have, there are listeners who, for whom that has been their experience. For many of us, that's the message that we carry. Although the delivery of it has been far more subtle. It's not explicit. It's implicit, but that's what I carry with me.
2: I'm not wantable. And
0: so I don't like, there's the like, I'm looking for someone looking for me and it's not happening. And there must be something wrong with me for even wanting this. And so I'm going to, I guess I'm gonna have to figure this out on my own, but it's not good for the man to be alone. Mm. And this is why, I mean, the gospel, uh, you know uh leslie newbigin likes to he, he talks uh, uh, and he's got i mean this is a guy who would who would have the authority to do this you know when he talks about eastern religions and gurus and so forth he said like if you're a, if you're a hindu like the guru doesn't go calling his disciples the disciples have to go find the guru like we have to go right and this is what we've been doing as human beings We're like we're going looking for god and the difference with the Hebrew and the Christian story is that God comes looking for us. God comes looking for us. And so, the the function of what I wanna do with my anxiety, then, is also going to be a direct function of the degree to which I am connected to other people. The degree to which I'm being deeply known by other people. It is not just a matter of like, oh, okay, I've heard this, it's about, and now I have to go figure that, no. Uh, I am going to, rec- it's going to require me to be in community, which is why, you know, the whole notion of deconstruction, you know, one of the reasons why it's such a big deal is uh, because sometimes we still, like, when, when we even talk about, where I'm, I, when one says, I'm deconstructing my faith, I, I would just want to say, like, first of all, like, there's no such thing as faith, per se. Like, yeah, I, I get it. There is, it's a, it, 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 it's an abstraction, and we use that to talk about it. Like, but in some respects, like, Faith is, uh, is a euphemism for my relational trust in some other human being, ultimately Jesus. And like, so w- we can't talk about deconstructing faith without talking about what's, this, what's, the, what's the status of my relational capital? What's the nature of my relationships?
2: Hmm.
0: What, like, life is not that complicated. It's, it's, it's very simple, but it's terrifying because if I'm going to be whole, I'm going to have to be in relationships in which I am vulnerable. The thing I most deeply long for, I'm only going to find in the contexts in which my most painful traumatic wounds have taken place. I'm not stupid. So could you please find me a way to get what I want without having to actually be in relationships with people? That would be like, I'd love that.
2: It's just not possible. Right.
0: I'm being all winded. Sorry. It's-
1: no. <laughs> Stop apologizing. It's, just- it's it's so good. It's straight gold that you're, yeah, thank you. This is incredible. Um. Okay. So I feel like you're already getting at a couple of these, these things, but like what, where, how do we get healed? How do we get more healthy? Obviously like, seriously looking at the amount of uh, time that we're spending on social media and um being ready to if we want to get well we need to make serious changes to how we're interacting with our phones and with social media and then i hear you saying like community that's getting in connection with people sharing who you are on a deep level a vulnerable level uh what else like if yeah it, we I know myself and our listeners are just like th- we need a breakthrough and what would you suggest among the things you've already offered
0: well I mean I, I said earlier in our time together uh, I, I, and I just want to highlight that the things that I've already offered um, I don't doubt that our listeners might many if not all would check the box and say yeah I agree with that agree with that agree with that um, but we're not gonna want to do what we need to do to pull that off. We're not gonna want to do it. Mm. Um one of the most important in, in in the soul of desire, I talk about what it means to as we explore the fourth verse of the 27th Psalm, and the psalmist writes that we dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life to gaze upon his beauty that we may inquire of the Lord. And then we talk about four different inquiries that come directly. From, or come from God and then, and then three inquiries that come from Jesus. And one of those inquiries are, is when uh, James and John's mother come to Jesus and says, like, would you please give them the right and left hand seats? And he says, you don't know what you're asking.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: he asks this question, can you drink the cup
2: mm-hmm.
0: of which I'm about to drink? And they're like, Like bellying up to the bar, right? Yes. Yes. This is, this is great. Community vulnerability. Throw my phone away. Wow. You know? And he's like, he's like, this is not a walk in the park. Uh, This is about crucifixion. Mm. And so uh again this is not to sound macabre or hopeless uh it is to be realistic about the fact yep. that uh, crucifixion uh, requires us putting to death things that we don't want to put to death and so th- th- so this is the thing like i, I would say I, I i say to my patients look it's okay like you don't have to do the things that i'm inviting you to do like it's, it's okay i don't need to keep taking your money you don't need to keep paying me like it, it it's okay but I don't have something else to offer to you. Right. If you want your life to be different, you're going to, you're going to suffer.
2: Mm.
0: You're going to drink the cup. Of, and, and, and for some of us, that suffering is, uh, can amount to the pain of the fear that I'm going to have to walk through when I contemplate I'm going to, I'm going to tell just my story. And I'm scared to death to tell you my story, and that's a painful process. Yes, it is, and yeah. it is the only way. Like we'd like to have life, and then Jesus added on to it. I don't want the cross. I don't. I don't. I don't want. I, no, I don't. It's. I. I. I want the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want convenience, and and I'm not. And, and like, and I'm. I'm speaking as like the chief among sinners. Like I. I am. I am professional grade sinfulness. Um, so, so I would say, but I mean, just practically speaking, if you wanted to do this, I mean, and there are my, my, I certainly, I'm not the only resource. I mean, there, I would say, uh, uh, if it comes to, uh, if, if you're, if you're willing to consider, uh, offloading the, uh, the way that your technology is, uh, imprisoning you, um, I think that Andy Crouch's work is a great resource. Right. So the tech wise family is, is one resource. He's written uh, the life that we, Oh, what's his most recent book that came out about a year ago, the life we've always wanted. I think in other words, another, so Andy Crouch's work is really great. If it comes to like, Oh, we're going to take that part of our life seriously. Um, if we're going to take seriously the work of community. Um, you know, I, I've got some resources in, in the, in the books that I've written and in the work that we do at the center for being known, which is this little nonprofit that we have that helps get cohorts of confessional communities off the ground, where you can have a space where you begin to come and reveal your story where you're not by yourself. That's, that's a resource for that. When it comes to immersing ourselves in texts, uh, taking refuge in the word. I would highly recommend the Bible Project. Uh, when it comes to uh, the practice of, uh, it, when it comes to spiritual practices that can help support this process of being formed in the image of the King, um, I recommend John Mark Comer's work and Practicing the Way. Uh, so, I mean, those are some resources right off the top of my yeah. head that I, that I can that I can think of. Um, but, but one thing that all of these particular resources share in common is that they uh, will invite our listeners. I mean, what they're going to have to do, which I'm, it's hard to do. It's gonna, we're going to have to slow our pace to that of God. Um, and, and, and that is a very, because none of these things happen. Like yeah. you you were pointing out that whole notion of like all this information that's coming in that I now know from across the globe, da da all these things, um, with this subtle, implicit message behind it of you can and should be able to incorporate all this. And the human brain was never intended to incorporate all this. I have a friend who, who does ministry work, and we've been having a conversation about the, the particular ministry that they're involved in, uh, soon is going to have the potential to expand, like in a really serious way, uh, to the point where it would have outreach that would cross, I mean, uh, cross into all, all, all kinds of political and national lines, it, it, it has a potential for expansion. And this person was talking about their anxiety about their felt sense of responsibility for Mm -hmm. all of this, for, for this thing. And I said to my friend, it's important for you to know, you're not responsible for that.
2: You're responsible for the
0: six to 12 people that are in that, that, that you have your most deeply connected relational uh, connection with. Yep. And that's, that's literally all that you are engaged with. Like you're not engaged. You're not engaged with 3 billion people. Like that's not your, like that's not real. Evil would love for us to believe that it is. Mm. Yeah. You know, another one of my, uh, current, uh, uh, meals that I, uh, eat from as spiritual formation is the, the, the online TV series, The Chosen. And, um, you know, so, so, the Bible project and The Chosen, I'm good to go. Love And, it. yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and just Ray's music, right? So
2: it's,
0: it's, all, it's, it's all good. So, um, one of the things that you see in, in The Chosen is like, you know, Jesus is driving people nuts with his pace, like, even Peter's like, like, we got, like, like when is this going to, like, like, there. Right, yep. and, and you do get the sense, uh, this, I think that Jenkins is doing a really brilliant job that the, the Jonathan Rumi, the character who plays Jesus, really delivers this notion that he's really just paying attention to what is in front of him. Yeah. You don't get the idea that Jesus is like planning for scaling his church. Right. There, there's no sense that like he's thinking about this. He is where he is, the only place he can be. And I have a world, you know, I, I have a world that tells me that I should be able to, you know, be everywhere all at once. Um, because this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Mm-hmm. I take power. I take beauty. I take, I take, I take, I take knowledge. I take wisdom. But, I, but I'm, I'm taking it. It's on my terms. Right. And so it's like a child, an infant, uh putting on adult clothes and then trying to walk around. Or you know, you know, a, f- you know, a six year old getting into a car with the keys. Like, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna like and and and, and then we see what happens. Right. As opposed to waiting for God to clothe them. Waiting for God to grow them up. I don't you know, I'm I and yeah.
1: Kurt Oh, it's such, yeah, it's such wisdom, such, um, I don't know. I feel like I came to you with like questions about this big and you were able to just kind of go like, okay, let's, let's zoom out there because you know, this is, this is personal to my own life. I know I, I feel like I was able to come at it in a similar way to a lot of maybe where our listeners, the questions they might ask, but to think biblically about this, to go kind of back to Genesis, to go even back 500 years and understand the things that have brought us to why we're even asking these questions and seeing, and seeing things backwards Mm -hmm. um, or missing whole pieces of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So thank you for just the really like absolute pure gold that you offered. Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. am going to have to, it'll take me probably a while to even dig into, (laughs) I feel like some of the places my brain was at in this past 45 minutes. So I just want to say thank you. Um, also, um, you've just given us like a platter of really great resources that mm. um, I I have read or listened to a lot of what um, Kurt has just um, suggested. So, you know, back, back up the recording and just um, write down those all those names. Um, I do just want to point people to, because I feel like what we got here <laughs> with you, Kurt, for this little blip of time was just like a a flyby of just... Because uh, I can, I heard things that are in your books, like in the way that you're able to share. So I'm just like, if you guys enjoyed Kurt's, just <laughs> who Kurt is today, um, then please just go listen to um, Being Known podcast. Um, it's uh, an, an incredible resource where you work through really a lot of your your books, um, uh, but in conversational form. Um, and then yeah, three three incredible books from. Kurt Thompson, Anatomy of the Soul, Soul of Desire, and Soul of Shame, uh, would would just encourage you guys, um, if you enjoyed just what Kurt was sharing today, like to be able to dive into each of these things with more time. Um, that's Mm. what listening to your podcast or, or Mm. reading your books is. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Anything else? Um, I guess with how people should follow you probably, do you do much social media or, um, just kind of follow your books and (laughs) books and podcasts?
0: Actually, actually, you know, I'm the guy who said I would get rid of social media and I, and I have a social media director. Uh, Totally. right, right, Right. Kara Yusa is her name and she's unbelievable. And I said, like, I, I need a social media platform that will somehow uh, have people be there while convincing them that they need to get off all social media. Somehow we need to right. you know, do these two things simultaneously. Um, and so you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and, and then the other thing, I, I, I have another book that's coming at the end of August uh, awesome. called The Deepest Place. Suffering in the formation of hope uh, and I think that it, it, it tries to get to ultimately it tries to get to this This third of the four questions that we talk about in the soul of desire like can you drink the cup? Mm. and it's a it's a, a, a It's an exploration kind of combining neuroscience a, It's a, it's a, and and and, a, and attachment work um, uh, Exploring the first five verses of the fifth chapter of Romans and mm. this whole notion of what does it mean for us to move? From suffering to perseverance to character to hope, hope that does not put us to shame and how all of that is preceded by uh, glory and what that means. And so um, Mm. that's that's coming at the end of August. Uh, Yeah. The the deepest place. Yeah.
1: So good. Well, I'll put all like links to all of this in the show notes for you guys. And Kurt, thank you so much. The the expertise you have and the way you're able to kind of put it all together. And then really, for me, it was just to be lifted up out of kind of the small way I've, I was thinking about a few things. There's a, mm. somehow a lostness of self, like it's almost scary to expand that much and to realize mm-hmm. this is not about my one story, and that mm-hmm. I'm not the only person, or we're not the only society who's dealt with this. Mm-hmm. But there's something so comforting about it being totally. pulled up out of my tiny question totally. into like cosmic level.
0: Totally, <laughs> there was something totally.
1: comforting about that. I don't totally. know why. <laughs>
0: totally. Well, I think I, I think this is the thing. I think that uh, I think that when we read the biblical narrative, I think we like we like. I, so I'm 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 reading through Genesis at the moment. And I'm reading, uh, I'm reading Abraham, right? So, I mean, and, I, and, and all this, you know, and again, credit to Tim Mackey in, yeah. in so many ways. <laughs> um, but I'm reading Abraham. And God called Abraham to leave uh, his homeland, his family, and pick up all of his possessions and go to Canaan, right? And right out of the gate, Abraham leaves. And then there's a semicolon. And Lot went with him. Lots not supposed to be going with it. Right. I mean, like I am Abram. I am I I am that dude who God continues to be faithful with. Okay, all this is to say is that I think that when we pull this story back like you're saying and it feels bigger, we like we recognize like, "Oh my gosh, like we we aren't by ourselves." It's not it's not a comment in which like, "Well, you're not as important as you think you are." It's like, "No, you're actually so much more important, but not how you think you are. Mm. You are important because you are, you are caught up in this great caravan. That <laughs> you're no less important than Abram and Isaac and Jacob. And that you get to be drawn into this much yep. larger story. Yep. And like, who doesn't want to be in the middle of a grand story? They're like, yeah, no, you come on. You belong in here. So good. You know, it's like, like, if, if you have somebody's like, hey, at the Kennedy Center, they're doing Les Miserables. We would love for you to come and be part of the cast. Like, who doesn't like? What do you mean? Like, who wouldn't want to do that? Right.
1: <laughs> so
0: good. We want so hey, we're good. doing God saying, like, yeah, we're gonna do this thing, it's called the Bible. And we want you to be part of it. This
1: is so good. (laughs) Oh, thank you, God.
0: Right on. Right on.
1: Kurt, bless you. All right, my friend. Thank you. You too. You're welcome. All (laughs) righty. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Appreciate you. You
0: too. All right. We'll see you. (laughs) Bye-bye.